Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Envision Together, going to our next level of best. This is a season that I'm really excited about because I'm having fiction authors. We already have nonfiction authors, but I'm adding fiction authors. And Kimberla Lawson Roby is my second guest, where we're going to talk a little bit about fiction, but she's also a nonfiction author. And I am so excited to have her to be my guest. I've had some time to get to know her. And she's such a beautiful person that it's a complete honor to have her be a guest and speak to my audience. So Kimberla, will you introduce yourself in the way that you want to, to let the audience know who you are? Sure. So, and I just want to say, first of all, Pamela, thank you so much for inviting me and for having me on your show. I really, really appreciate it. And I, of course, have been looking forward to this conversation. You know, I guess the first thing I usually start with just as it relates to being a writer is the fact that writing books was never a lifelong dream of mine. And so I did not sit down and begin writing my first book until I was 30 years old. And so that was in 1995. Um, But going back to childhood, I always loved writing and it always felt natural to me. And elementary teachers were always encouraging me and saying, you know, you have a gift with writing and, and telling stories and and, you know, I hope that you'll continue with that. And to be very honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention <laughs> to it, but I did think that I would do something in writing. I would either write articles for magazines or newspapers, or maybe I would write short stories, but never did I aspire to write books. And so then fast forwarding through high school, I was in a college preparatory program. I graduated in at the end of my junior year. But by then I had heard from teachers enough that I thought, let me check out writing. And then I started looking at the salaries of writers and I thought, well, no, not going to do that. You know, that's not going to probably happen. And that's how I ended up uh, getting a business degree and working in the business world. I worked for city government, state government, but it was always really in a business capacity. Mm. Um, Now, fast forwarding today, I just released my 29th book a couple of months ago. And then from a personal standpoint, uh, Will and I just celebrated our 32nd anniversary last month. So wonderful. It's so beautiful. And I'm (laughs) going to touch on that in just a little bit too. Well, again, welcome. And it's my absolute pleasure to have you as a guest. So we're going to jump right in. We've agreed to do with your interview guidance from your own framework used for your title, The Woman God's Created You to Be, personally, professionally, and spiritually. But 
I'll start with the spiritual aspect first. So tell me, what does it mean to you to be spiritual? And how does seeing yourself in this way impact how you navigate through life, especially in this season in your life? No, it really, first of all, means keeping God first and at the forefront of everything. Mm-hmm. Even when sometimes I can become a little lax with that, and, and I'm sure everyone does at some point, it could be the most minor thing, or at least you think it's a minor thing, and you just kind of, you're moving fast, and you got a lot on your plate, and you don't necessarily pray. It's just something you're used to doing. And many times when that does not go well, when things don't turn out the way we want, I'll literally think back, I'll be convicted. You know, I really didn't even take time to pray mm-hmm. about this. And um, so it has made a huge difference in my life. It is the reason that I pray before I do anything. When I'm getting ready to write a book, I am on my knees praying for God to give me the words he wants me to say and the scenes he wants me to write when it's my fictional books and, you know, asking him to just help me share whatever message he wants to be shared so that it can help at least one person, but hopefully many. Um, And Mm -hmm. so for the woman God created you to be, as I was praying about that book and what to write and what the chapters would be, it dawned on me just from my own life experiences that it was not until I started thinking about my relationship with God and the spiritual aspects of who I was, that I could even begin to start working on the personal Mm -hmm. problems and issues that I needed to work on. And I needed to do those two things before I could even consider focusing fully on my professional life or the purpose that God has assigned um, to my life. So um, the spiritual part of who I am really always has to be my priority. Thank you for sharing that. And I really appreciate that you said that you posture yourself in prayer before you begin to write and that you're happy or or you feel fulfilled if it reaches the one person just mm-hmm. as much as you would for the many. I love yes. that. <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, and I've had those moments Pamela, throughout the years where I will receive an an email message Mm -hmm. from a reader and it will be a book date that I maybe wrote some years ago. Mm -hmm. And they will say, this really helped me. This is the first time I read a book where I could relate enough that now I know I can turn things around. And I'll say to my husband or to one of my friends, you know, Mm -hmm. got this message, you know, never, ever, you know, am I going to, you know, share the person's name? And I keep that in confidence, but I will say, this was the reason I wrote that book. If for no one else, this was why God placed it on my heart to do so. I love that. And, you know, I've released my book. It hasn't even been a year yet. And Mm -hmm. I have heard back from people in a similar way. And that is the best feeling. That's the biggest compliment, if you will. Yes. I believe a writer can receive. We are aligned uh, with that thinking. We both have podcasts, and I have to say that I have the same attitude toward that. When mm-hmm. someone reaches me and said, you did this episode just for me. Yes. Because, you know, it's a lot of hard work. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. I don't, you know, when you're talking about writing and then you're producing and hosting a podcast, it's a lot of work for me when my episodes, you know, I, I do a solo podcast. And so for that entire first season, even if the episodes ranged only from, say, seven minutes to 15, depending on which week it was, 
someone can listen to that really quick to get their day going on Monday, but it took a lot of time, you know, on Friday, Saturday (laughs) to get that ready for Monday. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I mentioned that time aspect because it gives you the fuel to keep going. (laughs) It it does. It does. And so you need that feedback. And and so it's wonderful to hear, but yeah. And, and also, you know, I've said this times before, but, you know, congratulations on the release of your book and, and also, um, you know, all the great work that you're doing with your podcast. Thank you. And I've told you before, personally, that you are part of what inspired me toward the podcast. Like when I met you, I didn't know where any of this was going. I didn't know how talking to you or the things that's going on in your life would impact my life, but Mm -hmm. I was participating with a group a Christian group. And they were like, you know, jump out there. And, and I mean, I'm, we're probably grossly paraphrasing, but get started yes. with something that's in your heart. And I always wanted to do something that could help other people. And yes. I didn't listen to podcasts back then. Your podcast is the first podcast I ever listened to. <laughs> and, and it, cause it wasn't that popular. And in all honesty, it did not really become a thing, you know, if you will, with people until the pandemic happened. And that's when podcast listening really just exploded. And shortly after the shutdown happened in March, 2020, and and I'm almost wanting to believe it was the very next month, my pastor started doing a lot of different things. Just, you know, we weren't able to have in-person service. And so the woman got created to be had just come out in January. The church had hosted at that time, my largest event at the end of February. And then I was preparing for the speaking engagements and uh, book signing events. And then right away in March, everything was shut down, everything was canceled or postponed and indefinitely. And so he said to me, why don't we get on? And he wanted to interview me. You know, we would talk about the woman God created you to be and, you know, just a a number of other topics. And in that interview, he said, have you considered starting a podcast? I just really think that's something that you should be doing. Um, And I had not considered it. And like you, I wasn't even listening to podcasts really then that made me start listening to them. And then I thought, wow, that could do it. You know, still praying about it. And I thought, wow, that really would be a good companion piece to the book. So that's how it happened for me as well. I never, wow. ever planned to do that. Me so. either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you influenced my life in that way, the group that I was involved with and you, and I just found myself out of nowhere starting a podcast. But in retrospect, I see that that was just part of the way that God was leading me. And yeah, that's it exactly what it was. It was no coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> you were supposed to be doing this. Definitely. Thank you. He spoke to me in my twenties and said that I would speak to people around the world. Well, uh-huh. podcast didn't exist back then, but it's funny how, cause you wonder how is that going to happen? God? Yeah. <laughs> cause you, you can't see, you know, how it could possibly happen. And God already was preparing your steps all those months and years ago. So <laughs> it is, it's, it's amazing. And so, you know, so divinely 
you know, chosen and favored when you end up doing what he showed you so long ago. Yes. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. God is so good. Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the greatest part is not just that you have a podcast and I, I'm going to be honest. And I think we've both been pretty honest. It's hard work. So sometimes you're like, I don't know how I can keep going, God, but then you are inspired because it is purpose and it is fulfilling when you hear back from people and you just trust that if you keep going, you'll keep making a difference in other people's lives and your own life, because this is a gift that gives back to you. I get to talk to amazing people and learn myself from so many people. Yes. Yes. That is, that is the thing. That's the truth. What are the greatest spiritual lessons you've learned in life? I know that's probably a a tough one, maybe (laughs) because we learn so much in this life, but If you had to choose one or two, what would you say? I would say the first thing is having been taught um, from the time I was a little girl and, you know, really more so from my mom and my maternal grandmother and my maternal grandfather. And that is to treat others the way Mm -hmm. you want to be treated. That was a, a big thing. And for whatever reason, of all the many, many lessons and Uh, words of wisdom that they gave me, that one has remained true with me throughout my life. Uh, So much so that when I have not done that, when I've fallen short, I'll feel bad about it. And I'll think about that for the next day and the next day and have to pray for God to just release me from that and to forgive me from that. Uh, But it's so important. And I think that having learned that and having been taught that my spiritual life you know, as a whole, um, that made a difference for it all around. Because if you do treat people the way you want to be treated, that means that you love people. That means that you respect people. That means that you can find a place in your heart to forgive them when they make mistakes, just as we want to be forgiven when we do the same. But yeah, so I think that it is the golden rule that, that I try to keep at the forefront of my mind as much as I possibly can. I love that response. And the very first thing that came to my mind when you said that, the word love, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's love. It's all encompassing because if you love yourself, let's start there. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have yes. to start from the premise of loving yourself. Yes. I found that the trick to really loving yourself properly is receiving God's love. Because he then illuminates to you who he sees you as. Yes, absolutely. When you love yourself in a healthy way, and of course you want to be treated in a certain manner and to give that out, to understand that everyone is deserving of that same love and treatment. That's a beautiful thing. And it's such a guiding light. That's the other thing that came to me when you said that. Yes. Uh, It's such a beautiful guide. And I don't know that if someone had asked me that question, if that's the first thing that I would have come up with to say, but it is certainly one of those things that's a guiding post in my own life. I think mm-hmm. of that all the time. Yes. And like you, I do feel bad and I try to set it right. <laughs> exactly. I, I apologize. I was agreeing with everything you said and, and I recognize it and I'm grateful when God convicts me because there are folks who they don't have any remorse behind some of the things that they say or do. And 
the idea of having to admit it or apologize, you know, that's literally the worst thing in the world for them. So I've never wanted to be that person. And I do want to think about how would I feel? I love the way you think. I love your spiritual maturity. It's a gift within itself from God that you even recognize that you were wrong. And I I believe the scripture says somewhere that he he chastens whom he loves. Yes. Um, yes. And to know that chastening is actually a gift. It's not yes. a punishment. No, it's not. It's not. It's like even when he is, you know, calling you to do something that you're afraid to do and you're terrified of, it's still for your own good. He still has a plan in place. It's to produce good. It's a kind of, like we said, we feel bad, but it's more of a feel bad to set it right. It's not a feel bad, get depressed and get stuck. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because sometimes, yeah, and I sometimes I'm guilty of that where it's like, you know, you're you're so afraid to move forward or the project seems so big and so huge that you just don't do anything. And then you do fall into kind of this rut because Mm -hmm. now you don't know what to do. You know, where do I even begin? You know, it just seems so infinite and and so huge. And um, but yeah, but no, it it is a matter of, you know, saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to listen. And I've even sometimes laughed at myself because so much of my prayer with my purpose is, or even just doing the right thing is, Lord, show me what to do, you know, how to do it, when to do it, for whom to do it for and with and all that. So I'm asking him for that. Yeah. But then sometimes when he delivers, it's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> this um, is hard. I, you know, we keep saying this is hard, but it's a it's a good kind of hard because you're in your purpose at the end of the day. And, and he it strengthens is. us. He strengthens. Us. Yes, he does. He's not going to bring us toward doing anything that he won't give us the ability to handle and execute. He just wouldn't do that to us. Right. So. I think we've touched on this next idea that I'm going to present to you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How does Kimberla advance the kingdom of God on earth? You know, I I would have to say for me, it always goes back to my purpose. And it was many years before I truly discovered it, but it is to help women become all whom God has created them to be. And it is in all areas of their life. So that does mean spiritually and personally and professionally. And I'm also doing it in a way um, where I'm learning and continuing to grow and still trying my best to be as much of the woman that he has created me to be. I'm living that life and learning and growing and then trying to help as many women as I possibly can do the same. Yeah, I can relate to every word. And again, I appreciate how candid you are because I think one of the things that this talk is hopefully going to show our audience is that you can get moving while you're still learning yourself. Absolutely. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And there are times when I am helping someone, I'm encouraging them, I'm, I'm trying to help them. Maybe they have a question or they're trying to move forward with writing or speaking or whatever they believe their purpose might be. And I will be helped in the process when that conversation is over. 
That's beautiful. And again, mm-hmm. that is so God. I also think sometimes we wrestle or we have challenges and we're like, oh God, why do I have to go through this? And then at a certain point you realize that sometimes we do face things so that we can be in a position to have wisdom and knowledge and experience that will impact many others. And sometimes it's just one other and all of that is good. It's so very true. It's like, we don't go through any of what we go through for no reason. It is always so that you can help someone else who is either getting ready to come along that same path. They're going to experience those same troubles or obstacles that they will have, that they will um, have to try to overcome, or it can even help prevent someone from having to go through what you've experienced. I love that you brought that into the conversation, prevention. Mm -hmm. You know, there's prayer of prevention. God will cause you to be alerted about something or cause you to know about something so that you can turn it around before there's some kind of potentially devastating outcome. (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. Wonderful. And that's a nice segue into the next question that I'll ask you. So personally speaking, what was a childhood or adolescent struggle that you faced that made you question your identity or your self-worth? and or your sense of belonging, how did you overcome those challenges and that ultimately give shape to how you see yourself today? There's probably a good three or four things, but the first thing for whatever reason comes to mind and and likely because Will and I were just laughing about it not more than maybe a week ago, if that long, I was a very tall little girl, (laughs) you know, so I would be the tallest person in my class. And that meant boys and girls. And there was one little boy who, um, and I talk about this in the book where he would say, six, nine, ain't worth a dime, you know, and he just, and we know I wasn't six, nine, because I'm not even six, nine right now as an adult, but he would just joke, he'd follow me in the hall or we'd be at lunch or, you know, in the classroom, just whenever he felt like saying it. And when he started to say it more and more, it just really would hurt my feeling because I felt bad. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I am taller than the boys even in my class. And at one point there was one other girl, she was my height. So, you know, he'd mess with her sometimes times as well. And so I started telling my mom, my parents about it. And my mom said, you know what? I promise you one day you're going to be so happy that you're a tall young woman and you'll be thrilled about it. You won't feel bad about it. And he's just wishing he was your height. That's the only reason uh, he's saying the things that he's saying. You know, that still didn't help that much, you know, when you're in, you know, third, fourth grade, you know, so to speak. But for a long time, In even my teenage years and early adult years, I was more prone to want to wear flats versus heels. Mm. And I would always say, "Mm, you know, not going to date a guy unless he can be a certain height with my heels on. So that really affected me. I, I, I didn't think about it so much then, but now, you know, looking back for many years now, I've realized that did affect me and it made me feel just slightly less than than say a woman who was shorter, who could wear three, four inch heels and still go out with their husband and be much shorter than them. And that might not be major to some people, but, but that's just something that really did affect my self-worth, so to speak. Uh, The other thing was when I was bullied in second grade by uh, two girls and it just became 
so awful and so tragic for me. I was crying every single day at one point. And I went from getting straight A's to C's on tests. And, and even one, one of those quarters, one of those nine week report cards, you saw those C's on there. And the teacher even said on my little report card, uh, Kim mostly cries every single day and she has her head down and just really just sort of just retreated from everything. And I was just sad all the time. And then my mom talked to the teacher. She didn't do anything about it. The principal, you know, didn't do anything about it. And um, one of the things that finally happened was my mom came up to the schoolyard. She asked me what time recess was. And we were out on the playground and I was alone, like I was being at that time. And I saw her car pull up in our recess playground was surrounded by a chain fence. So she drove up, she came up to the fence. I saw her, she got out. I walked over to the fence. She asked me who they were, both names, ironically were Lisa. And so she said, ask them to come over to the fence. They came over and she said, um, cause they had started like even getting behind me, going down to the lunchroom, like tapping me or pushing me, you know, like a kid will push you and then you turn around and then they pretend like they didn't do it. But they're the ones directly behind you. So you know who it is. And so she said, you know, basically, if you put your hands on my daughter again, or you continue saying the things that you're saying, you're going to have to answer to me. And, you know, their eyes are just kind of bugged wide. She didn't say anything mean. She didn't say it in a nasty tone. I remember it just like it was yesterday, but she got back in her car and left. That was it. So she never even came onto the playground. She didn't repeaters word. She just said, and so the funny part of this is when she drove away, they looked at me and they said, why did you have to tell her that we were going to make up with you today anyway? <laughs> you know? and it's like, you know, think about a kid's mind, you yeah. know, in second grade. And so, no, you weren't going to, because we were already, Absolutely. we've already gone through the first part of the day and we're in class together. Now we're out on the playground. You still kind of was doing the same thing. <laughs> She rolled up, you know, but that really, really affected me. But I think it affected me kind of in a positive way. And for a while, even in a negative way, because I made up my mind by the time I got to junior high school, nobody's ever going to bully me ever again. I was probably not the nice, nice girl if you crossed me um, because I, I felt like I had to protect myself because I never wanted to feel like that ever again. But then the positive side, as I got older, it made me really, really want to stand up for other people who were being belittled or people who were being treated badly. It became such a huge passion in my heart to, to kind of jump in if I saw that happening. Wow, that's beautiful. And thanks for being so candid. I hear your pain in that, I, the, the little girl in you that had to experience those things. But I agree with you that the outcome is God never wastes any experience. I don't think that what you shared was a, a light example, because when something penetrates your spirit at such a young age like that, mm-hmm. it, really does position you to have to wrestle with it for a few years. And that seemingly small thing that those kids did, and they didn't even understand the the power of the impact of their words, 
that actually spills over into so many areas of your life. It doesn't just stay at school in the playground. We start to internalize things into other areas. Am I good enough overall? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I enough? It can seem like such a small situation. I have firsthand (laughs) experiences like that too. When I was teased and it just happens to be the second grade too. And it was really more about my heritage and about being dark skin, about being, my father was from Africa and boy, did I wrestle with that for years. I didn't even know that 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 should be something that I should feel ashamed of. So when you were telling me your story about being teased for your height, I was thinking, wow, we learn these things. Mm-hmm. We feel fine, but then somebody points something out. Or <laughs> yes, that's the part you you don't even recognize that it's a problem for you until someone. And so yeah. now you're constantly thinking about it. You know, like I said, constantly mm, instead of three inch heels, you know, gosh, I wish I could find this pump in a two or two and a half. You know mm-hmm. that that went on for a lot of years. Yeah. A lot of years. Another thing that I love that you pointed out is your mom shared with you that it was really that young man's insecurity Mm -hmm. that he was projecting onto you. And I think so many times people don't get that, whether they're children or adults. When you encounter a bully, they're really revealing to you a lot about their own pain. Yes. When I learned that, It helped me have a larger capacity to forgive and even to pray for those people. I know that sounds real noble. You have to evolve to that. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It it takes some growing. But as you grow, um, and especially in your relationship with God, you do. And for me, there have been instances where not only do I pray for them and want the best for them, but I even feel sorry for them to some degree. I really love the richness of our conversation. And I I really do think that we're going to have a lot of food for thought for the audience. So again, thank you for for being so candid and open. So I know that you're in a season of celebrating your long, beautiful marriage with your husband, whom you often identify as your Roby or you will say Mm -hmm. my Roby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do a lot. That's that's usually (laughs) the only thing I call him here or it's like just robe, robe, you know, it's like everybody just kind of laughs. I think that's so cute. (laughs) Um, You mentioned just before we signed on to today that um, you're celebrating, is it 32 years? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. And congratulations. I mean, I'm sure many of us look up to you. It's no small thing. Whenever you put two people together, no matter how good a person they may be. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) You have to have a will. Oh, you absolutely have have to. Yes, you do. You do. I was um, sharing, I was on um, with a women's ministry on Thursday night. They had been studying the woman God created you to be, and they asked me to get on with them for their, their final meeting. And so that's one of the things we talked about. Somebody asked me about Will, and it's like, you actually, you talk about him all the time. And we talked about the 32 years and I said, yes, but you know, we've had our moments. Yeah. If we got to 32 years, you can believe we had some major disagreements and problems and issues and things that we had to work through. What remained constant with us is that we have 
continue to not just love and like each other, but to be completely in love with each other. That really helps sustain us. And it is being able to, for me as a woman, being married to a man who knows God and loves God and who has no problem praying for himself, for me and for others. Um, so that has made a difference. But yeah, and I, you know, my grandmother, I don't know if you've heard this term, but my grandmother, even when I was a small girl, she used to say, you know how when you bite your tongue, so that means even your teeth and your tongue will fall out with each other. <laughs> And so it's like, you know, what a, a, a great analogy. So yes, there's no way you're you're not going to have disagreements. And she used to say to me, you know, marriage is what you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have a lot of choices that you can make when it comes to your marriage. Some people make good choices. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree. Sometimes, even if you're right, you have to, you know, move away from trying to be right, you know, just to keep the peace. And so, you know, Will and I, I, I just think we have done a very good job of that through the good times and the bad times because our communication has never broken down. Will is I always say, Will is the that person who the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, that's who he is as a person. He's going to talk about it. And I wasn't so much that person in the very beginning. I was that person who, mm, you know, we just had a disagreement. You know, we didn't settle it. So, you know what? I'm going to go in another room and I'm fine not talking to you for the rest <laughs> of the day. And that's not who he was. And in um, I talk about this in the book as well. It was my mom who said, Will is right. You're wrong for that. You know, it doesn't mean that your marriage is going to break down and that you don't love each other just because you disagreed. Uh, because there was a time where we had a big disagreement. And he came in the room minutes later and said, so are we still going to the movies or what? And I remember, you know, I was, I'm like that 25, we, yeah, I was 25 when we got married. So it's probably maybe the next year, you know, or so I'm guessing I was 26 and I'm thinking to the movies, he must be joking. I'm not even speaking to you you right now. I remember you sharing that. I think it was on the podcast, but it's so funny because I'm not married, but I'm relating some of what you're saying to even like my relationship with my daughter. And uh-huh. I think I'm a little bit more like your Roby and my uh-huh. daughter is a little bit more like you were at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but through the years, she's opened up because we're all wired differently. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. Yes. And that's the beauty. When we come together, we complement each other if we allow that to be. Just imagine if I had married someone who was like me. We likely wouldn't be together because nobody would have even been able to offer that example of how it was supposed to be. And um, it's like, wow, thank God for my mom. You know, my Mm. mom was everything to me, uh, but she found it in her heart to say, "Mm, no, you know, I'm going to have to call you out on this one. You know, you're wrong. Will is doing it the right way. That reminds me of what we alluded to earlier when we were talking about God, God chastens whom he loves. And a parent, discipline is an act of love. Yes, it hey, is. You're wrong on this. We don't always like to hear it, but and, it and that's courage to tell someone they're wrong, even if they're your child. It does, because you don't really know how they're going to receive it. Absolutely. You know? um, because I did remember thinking, you know, wow. Yeah, because, you know, that's just that's that wouldn't have been the norm for her, really. You know, it's wow, not, a, you know, okay. as a child and a teenager. Yeah, she was. But I'm saying in my adult life, we were mother and daughter. But when I became an adult, then she became my best friend in the whole wide world. So I'm sure that was wow. difficult for her to say. Uh, but I realized, wow, what great advice, you know, she gave me 
as it related to my marriage. And so, yeah, it, um, it has been a great journey to just be able to still wake up with him and to want to do that, you know, to wake up, we will have our conversations and sometimes I'll wake up after him and, you know, his hand will be resting on me in some kind of way. And I know that he's praying, you know, he's praying for me. I may have, you know, said, wow, you know, I really struggled with this yesterday or, or something happened. And we still have our coffee together every single day. Uh, If it's his, he work, I work out in the home. Usually he works out outside the home Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That just means I'm making coffee a little bit earlier for him to get out the door. And so it's like having, yes, this is my husband. We love each other from an intimate standpoint, but we are best friends the way best girlfriends are as well. That's who I want to go to the movies with. That's who I want to go shopping with then. Um, So yeah, it's been a blessing. I I feel like God has blessed me in a lot of ways, especially with my writing and Mm -hmm. with my purpose and, and in just so many other ways. But with that, I'm very much thankful for because I know what it's like to be married before and be divorced. Will knows what it's like to be married before and to be divorced. And so I just, you know, just appreciate God's grace. Our union is so beautiful. I literally just got a warm feeling listening to you. (laughs) It's so beautiful. You're such a beautiful example that I think the world needs to know about and hear about. And I I love that from time to time you post about it. And that's how I learned through your social media posts that you refer to your husband as my Roby. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Those are, (laughs) those are very kind words. Um, My mom's youngest sister, my aunt Ada, sometimes when she'll text me, you know, a long time ago, she would say, says, Hey, you know, how are you and Will doing? You know, she's going to say that first and then, you know, tell me whatever she needs to tell me now she'll say how are you and your Roby you know doing it's, and it's really noticeable when she says that so everybody so you know nice. gets a kick out of it and for a long time you have those pet names and of course as a husband or I will is you know he's baby this and you know honey that and I was never so much that and then I think he realized wow you know that is kind of my pet name that you have for me and it's like it is that's my that's my form of endearment and I've been calling him that all 32 years. So yeah. I do want to back up just a little bit. I love hearing about how your relationship has evolved and even sharing with us a little bit about where you are today. But when and how did you know that you were in love with your husband? When did you know, okay, he is the one? Right. And you know, it was very quick. We had our first date on the Thursday before Memorial Day in May 1990. And we saw each other again the next day. And he, at that time, worked second shift. I worked first shift. And so that meant, you know, he's getting up sometimes after 11 o'clock. And we went to dinner slash breakfast, I guess you probably could call it that late at night. And then the next day, I think he had to work that Saturday. They were working six days. And then that Sunday, that was the day, like I can literally tell you, I knew that I was in love with him that Sunday, we took a trip, um, a drive up to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is about an hour and a half from us just to go to a mall kind of shopping. And then he took me to this beach and we just kind of, you know, we didn't lie on the beach or anything. We just kind of walked around and it was during the drive there. Something just came over me. We were listening to slow music and love songs (laughs) and all of that. And so I knew that then, and I didn't know if he felt that way that quickly, but 
the next day, which was Memorial Day, I took him by to meet my mom. That So that was right away. He His mom lived no more than two or three minutes by car. That's how close they lived. He took me over there when we left my mom's house to introduce me to her. But I knew her because her my mom and his mom were uh, members of our health unit at our church from there. And so then, you know, kind of moving into, we know this wasn't what God would have us do, but he gave up his apartment and moved in with me one month later. So literally that was by the end of June. And then by September, four months after the first date, we were married. And, and so he did, he, he just began feeling the same way. And I thought that's kind of how, you know, it's hard to answer that question. How do you really know if someone is your soulmate and this is really the person for you, but that's how I knew because our chemistry was different than it had been for me with any other guy I had dated. And we just had a connection. We didn't like being apart and we spent all of our time together outside of work or, you know, something else that we just had to do separately. And that has continued throughout these years. So I always say, you know, we just kind of knew that's, that's Mm -hmm. what it felt like. Yeah. So what still makes you melt today? It made you melt when you first met them and Mm -hmm. still melting today. Really two things. So Will, there's not a day that goes by that Will doesn't touch me in an endearing way every single day. And I I don't mean every other day or every couple of days. Um, And so that's just something he continues to do. And, you know, he still, if he leaves in the morning and like I said, just going to work out, but I'm still kind of lounging or or lying around, he's going to still kiss me goodbye. And, and so, you know, we still have that after all these years. And then he still makes me laugh every single day. He's he's just a comical person, but you know, he'll say things and I'll just say, wow, something's really wrong with you. you And then I'm cracking up in in the process. Um, But laughter is, is a good thing. I realize it's such a huge part of our relationship. This is so nice. I truly enjoy just even hearing about it. The two things you selected are such awesome things. It's it's a touch in an enduring way and laughter. Yes, you know, that he has not gotten tired of wanting to do that. And he still wants to make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And the psychology, I mean, we don't have time to get around that, but even just the psychology in, in a touch. Mm-hmm. to a baby or to a person. Yes. That's so powerful. That's just not some small thing, actually. For some reason, when you when you said that just now, I was even thinking just uh, the anointing came to my mind. It's so much power in a touch. And mm. I, I just think that's so, so beautiful. What does love of one's family, friends, and humanity have to do with anything? Ooh, you know, I think it has to do with a lot. And, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, it is that word love. It is that emotion love. It's like, because if you love your family members, if you love your friends and you just have a love and an honor and a respect for humanity as a whole, then that sort of collectively to me just takes care of every part of your life. I I just believe that if you you just love 
love, love. It just means everything. And then, you know, I love what you were talking about earlier when you were saying, you know, that starts with yourself. You have to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, I believe the reason that you're not able to truly and and fully and genuinely love someone else is because deep down you're kind of miserable on the inside. Um, In order to have a certain level of joy, you have to be able to love yourself and others all around. And love is reciprocal. It's Mm -hmm. just a beautiful circle, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, As you give it out, it keeps coming back. It's like, it's like sowing and reaping. And and it is, and it isn't, you know, and I, it makes me think about, you know, I think Matthew 22 and I, you know, maybe 39, but I know it's Matthew 22 and it talks about, you know, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That matters. That really matters. Love just does it. And we know God is love. So it Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. It does. It (laughs) absolutely does. We're all searching and seeking for love. And the more we have the capacity to receive love, and we already established earlier, is the biggest receipt of love is understanding that God loves you first. Yes. Um, Yes. And that illuminates your own capacity, your own humanness, and even purpose. I found that the more I received God's love as shown toward me, because I had a lot of bad things happen to me as a child in my past that actually kind of blocked me. It took time for me to even feel, I guess, even worthy enough for God's love, to let God's love in. And that's a transforming occurrence, I'll say. And then you're free to love everybody else once that happens. (laughs) So true. It's so very true. So professionally speaking, how does spiritual awareness and relationships, healthy or unhealthy, inform your writing? It really, you know, goes back to me feeling from a spiritual standpoint um, that I have to pray before I begin writing um, so that I am from a fictional standpoint, yes, you want to write a story that will be dramatic and one that readers will want to keep turning one page after another, after another, and you want them to enjoy it. And you even want them to be entertained. But for me, I'm also hoping that in at least some way they will be helped. And though it may be a topic that I'm talking about that might sometimes be controversial. It might be taboo or it might, you know, really focus on maybe pain or betrayal that a character might be feeling. My hope is still that they will learn something from it or be helped by at least something that I've written in a a particular book. So for me with my writing, the faith-based part of who I am, my relationship with God, it's usually going to ring through at some point and and usually in multiple places in the books that I write. That's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I've had an opportunity to take in a few of your pieces. As we've talked before, we're both on very busy schedules. So I found that Listening a lot more to your audiobooks has helped me get through more of the material. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm I'm learning, you know, I've never been really an audiobook person as much as I have so many readers say, Wow, I love the people who read your audio and that's how I listen. And um, so I'm just now going to be reading a whole one this month. But I'm realizing from a time standpoint, that's easier for me. I, I get why people yeah. <laughs> read audiobooks and now they're skyrocketing again, even more so over print books. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I've gotten to take in your Pastor Curtis series, a lot of that. And I don't remember all the titles, but one you did that even touched on um, sexual abuse and 
just so much material. So I'm just thankful that I've had so many different mm-hmm. ways to be able to take it in. I've also read some of your work. So Kimberly, I know you've shown so much about yourself so far, but I want to go ahead and ask you, who is the woman God's created you to be? You know, I think it still always goes back to my purpose. Um, and I know I've said that before, but it, it really does for me that I am the woman God created me to be because I'm trying to help other women become whom God created them to be. And I'm still becoming that woman every single day. And I think that has to do with still wanting to learn as much as I can to still strive to be the best woman I can be as it relates to my spiritual life, my personal life and my professional life. And, you know, even when I'm talking about writing that particular book and and making that the, the overall topic, that was the only book that I was literally terrified to write. I knew that God had a call on my life to write my first nonfiction book. And I thought, no, I'm writing fiction. That's what I've done for many, many years. That's what I knew. It just wouldn't go away. I woke up with it and I went to bed with it and it just wouldn't go away. And that became the time in my life when I realized that God always gets what he wants. Um, you, know, <laughs> he, you know, you can either do it willingly and voluntarily and do it the nice way. He gives you that opportunity, gives you free will. But if you don't, he will still get what he wants. And sometimes then that causes a little bit of discomfort. Um, And so that happened. But yeah, I believe that me being and still becoming the woman that he has created me to be has to do with helping other women do the same. Again, I love how you say that because some of us think we need to arrive. We need to be that person before we get started. But I love what you're sharing is resonating with me so much that God has certainly shown me that a lot of things get worked out along the journey. Yes, there's no (laughs) doubt about that. And so this is a kind of a different topic, but that's why I am very, very quick to say, and that's one of my podcast episodes is to just do it afraid Um, because if you spend a lot of time and I'm a big researcher and I'm a big person who, you know, the person who's going to study as much as I can, but at some point you just have to get going with it um, and, and correct yourself. You. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. And then correct yourself along the way. That's great. Why do you believe God has called you? And I think some of that fear that you wrestled with is because you're, you were stepping into next level of calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, next level mm-hmm. of purpose. Why do you believe he's called you and outfitted you for this to offer and aid other women in discovering who they have been created to be? I think that, and I don't know if it's, you know, if I can say, wow, this is absolutely the reason that I know he chose me or called me for this particular assignment and for this particular purpose. But I believe that his overall plan for my life um, from the time I was a child, the the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he blessed me with, um, the pain and some of the struggles and trying times that I went through, and then blessing me with the kind of mom and grandmother that I had, they were filled with so much wisdom, um, spiritually and personally, you know, they tried to equip me and give me everything I needed to be the best woman that I could be, to have respect for myself, to have respect for others, to walk with integrity, um, to exude a certain amount of class. You know, they just believe that they taught me things that I just definitely should 
never even think about doing things that, that I shouldn't say. And so I think it is all of that. The life that I have lived in my 57 years, now I'm able to take all of that, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and even some of the great things to try to help other women along the way. And, you know, I'd like to speak to that just a little bit in terms of what I've had opportunity to observe you. And I think it's been about a year or so, maybe Uh a little bit over. A little more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dr. Betty R. Price of Crenshaw Christian Center put us in touch. And I have to tell you that from our very first phone call, I've been impressed with your character. Like, unbelievable. I even felt highly favored by God because of your response. You don't have to take the time out of your busy schedule. You're a New York Times bestselling author. And your heart was to call me, even while you were in the midst of some Life's challenges yourself. Uh, it was, yeah, that was the month of May in 2021. I remember it very well. It was one of the tryingest times. You know, we had experienced a lot of death at that time. And I think the day that we talked, and I, I was a little sad because our grandson, you know, I have a bonus son. And so our grandson, we couldn't attend the graduation. It was that day. So we were getting ready to view that. And then right after that, my twin niece and nephew, who are Will's and my godchildren, we couldn't attend theirs and we were getting ready to view it online. So yeah, I remember the day I spoke to you very well. Mm-hmm. And even since that first day, we we had a chat. You've had some life challenges. I've had some life challenges, but yes. you've always been gracious and kind. And what really got me is you were being apologetic. <laughs> and I was like, who is this woman? I, no, this is because <laughs> I didn't even I, because expect you to call me back. It's yet. like, no, it's like I because <laughs> I, I always feel bad. And I especially feel bad if I can't do what I say I am going to do. And over this pandemic, and especially 2020 and 2021, there were things that I said I was going to do, you know, even with you, it's like with your book. And I had another author, um, Vanessa Miller Pearson, I'd said to her, it's like, oh, but I promise you, even if I don't have time, I'm going to make time for your next book. And that's exactly what I did when it rolled around time for that book that's getting ready to come out uh, next month in November. But yeah, I feel really bad when I can't help someone. I really do. And I just wanted to point that out because I want my audience and the world to know that these are not just words. I'm someone who has been fortunate to know you on a somewhat personal level, and I've experienced it. I've experienced Mm -hmm. the integrity. My first impressions of you was sophistication, elegance. You're such a beautiful woman. You're a woman of God. And then you want to keep your word. You do keep your word. All of these things I'm taking in. And again, I'm not foolish. I know you're not perfect. None of us are. No, gosh, no, (laughs) not even close. I always like to, if I have an opportunity, if I know someone well enough, I like to help the world know what I know about a person as a person and not just as an author or what they do. So I I like to share that. So again, thank you. And I think you're such a wonderful role model for so many people, including myself. And you certainly have been there to help me. I mean, even when my book was about to release, you were going on vacation first time in in years. And you said, if you have an emergency, just go ahead. I mean, yes, 
I just want the world to know. I'm glad you feel that way. And I appreciate that. And But the reason I said that to you when we were uh, going to be going on our first vacation, because I know what that feels like. It, so, you know, if you really need something and you need to know something or something that somebody can help you with, you just need it right now. It doesn't matter that, you know, someone <laughs> is on vacation. And it, it is such a scary season. And, and, and it is. I knew what that was like. You know, I knew what the self-publishing process was like when I did it all those years ago uh, before technology was what it is today. And now having self-published the nonfiction book, I know what it's like to do it in this season. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I hope that I was just able to help you in at least some way, you know, throughout this process. God send me help from different avenues, but you were certainly... Yeah. And I can rely on your expertise and everything that you just spoke to years and years of having been in this business. So I actually tried not to ask you too much. You know, I don't I don't think you would have took it as me bugging you, but I didn't. No, gosh, no. Appreciate that, that you even <laughs> cared about that. But no, you were never a bother. No, not at <laughs> all. So now, but- Sister Friends Forever. <laughs> I love this title. I've read The Woman God Has Created You to Be, but I haven't yet read Sister Friends Forever, but I love the title. I've been following a little bit on social media of what you've shared about it and what others have shared about it. I am eager to have an opportunity to take it all in, but I think this title suggests an element of everything we've been discussing so far, the spiritual, relational, and professional aspects of friendships. So is it safe to say that this work dives fictionally into some of the concepts explored in The Woman God Has Created You to Be? It definitely does. Um, Because The Woman God Created You to Be was written for women, and it talks about so much of what we experience as women in every single chapter. And so in the writing process during the writing process for the woman God created to be. And then definitely when it was released. And then as we moved into the pandemic and then after I did the podcast and I started really hearing from women and, you know, some of what they were dealing with and going through. And so early 2021, it was not, I did not contact my editor until March of 2021. And, you know, I, texted her and, you know, then it's like, Hey Beth, you know what? I think I'm ready to write fiction again. Cause I had not written a fictional book um, since the last one was released in 2018. And so she called me right away. She didn't even text me back. And so <laughs> she's like, Oh my gosh, you know, and so it was just so wonderful to hear how excited she was about it. And so I was so focused on women and what we go through and just sisterhood as a whole and how we can support, you know, women supporting other women. And that's where my mind set was. But then I started thinking, not only do I want to include many of the topics and issues that I talked about in the woman God created you to be talk about it in a fictional format, but I wanted to talk about the four relationship issues. Cause I started thinking, okay, what if you have four women who are best friends? They've been best friends since they were small children. Uh, they live on four different sides of town. So they don't even go to school together. And the only reason mm. they met is because their parents are all members of the same congregation. Mm. So they grow up together. They even go to four separate colleges. And now fast forwarding to the first chapter of this book, I thought, okay, now they've all turned 40 years old. I I just saw that clearly. And then I started thinking, but here's the difference. Serena is single. 
never even been proposed to, but really wants to be married. Michelle is finally engaged for the very first time and is about to be married in a few months. Kenya has been married and happily married for some years, has two beautiful children. And then Lynette has been married, but now unfortunately is already divorced. And so I really wanted to focus on the fact that they are sister friends forever. They love each other. They keep each other lifted up. They help each other through whatever they might be going through, but they really do live for totally different lives individually. What an awesome Mm -hmm. idea. And I've seen so much people expressing how much they love this book again on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So congratulations to you. I want to just clap. Thank you. Thank you so much. I look forward to reading it myself, taking it in. So that's something I have to look forward to. Maybe over the holidays is when I'll be able to get my. (laughs) Yes. Well, I hope you get a chance to. Yeah. Well, you did share some things about it. So thank you for that. Now Mm -hmm. we're at our final question. Which one final gem can you leave with our audience today? The single most important idea shared that if people forget everything else, you really want them to hold on to this one thing and it'll help them go to their next level of best in their lives. You know, well, it is the one thing that I, I try to share as often as I can because this whole idea, this philosophy is what helps me still every single day. Um, and that is to believe in God, believe in yourself and believe in whatever it is you are trying to accomplish, but most importantly, believe in that order. Wow. Thanks so (laughs) much. That's a a beautiful gem to leave with the audience. I know too, that you have the SWAT organization that you've started. So I encourage people to look into that and become a part of that as well. But I also would just like to ask you, please share any information you would like to share with my audience about how they might contact you, get in touch with, get your books, et cetera, whatever you want to share. Yes. So, you know, your listeners can visit kimroby.com, K-I-M-R-O-B-Y.com. And there you can click on um, at the top of the menu books and you'll see Every book that I've written, you'll also be able to read a chapter excerpt from any of them. Um, If there are book clubs out there, you'll see discussion questions for my books as well. Um, There is a tab for Successful Women of Faith, the Sisterhood, which you just mentioned. Um, You can find out what that's about, how you can join if you're interested. Um, You can also click on podcasts and listen to my 25 episodes of my first season. And then if someone is looking for a speaker, you can find out about speaking inquiries and send information to me about that as well. Wonderful. And I'm a part of Successful Women of Faith, and uh, I look forward to engaging more and more and collaborating with you and all the beautiful women who are there. So yes, thank you so much for becoming a member. I appreciate your support of that. Of course. And I encourage everyone else to do so. Kimberla, It's been such an honor, such a blessing. I'm humbled that you saw something in my podcast that would cause you to want to be a guest and such a beautiful guest you've been. I love our conversation. I I do too. It was wonderful. It it really (laughs) was. It was really wonderful. So thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you. And I think it's going to bless the audience. So yes. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.